It is one of the ironies of the history of religion that what we call the great historical or organized religions took their rise from prophets whose mission in life was to denounce religion in the sense in which these organized bodies use the word. The very corrupt and hypocritical Buddhism of Japan and its less offensive but equally elaborate counterpart in China and other Asiatic countries takes the name of a moralist, Buddha, who was, according to all the leading authorities, an atheist, and urgently warned folk to keep clear of priests, temples, and idle speculations about a future life. The vast army of Buddhist priests and monks, the most sordid priesthood in the modern world, now make a gorgeous living chiefly by inspiring simple folk for the next world. I do not include Confucianism because it never was a religion and it has, therefore, consistently preserved the atheism and high moral code of its founder. Taoism, the second religion of China, pretends to have been founded by Lao Tzu, a contemporary of Confucius, who, though inclined to mysticism, equally warned his followers against organized religion with its ceremonies and devil-dodging. What is broadly called Zoroastrianism in Persia takes the name of another prophet, Zoroaster or Zarathustra, who set out to purify religion by stripping it of all that the modern Zoroastrians call religion. Even Muhammad was a rebel against all organized and priestly religion. Yet Islam, while rejecting the title of priests and remaining comparatively simple in its services, really has a powerful and tyrannical body of priests. But the most notable instance of this, shall we say, ingenuous development in the religious world is Christianity. As I said, if there is one thing that we may, on sound historical principles, consider probable about Jesus, it is that he was an independent moral preacher, as hundreds of the Essenes were in Judea at the time, who so angered the Jewish priests, presumably by his criticisms of them and their temporal religion, that they had him put to death as what we now call a Bolshevik. When that fine leader of the French Revolution, Camille Desmoulins, was asked his religion, he said, the same as that of the Saint-Coulot Jesus. If you want me to give the proper American equivalent of the French expression, I shall have to paraphrase it, ragged seat of the pants. Fortunately, we have no quarrel here with those who think that the Gospels are real biography, except for a ridiculous, late interpolation about his church, they uniformly represented Jesus as a violent opponent of priests, temples, services, set prayers, and every element of sacerdotal and ritual religion. Paul has the same idea. We have nothing to do here with modern explanations of how or why this iconoclastic gospel, which is still read in church, in the midst of the most gorgeous and elaborate ceremonies, every Sunday, became the basis of the Episcopal or the Roman Church. One of the funniest explanations, which you often hear today, is that Jesus took his fisherman lieutenants up one of those high mountains of which he was so fond, and explained to them that he spoke in parables to the multitude so that they would not understand. In the next page you read that he spoke to the multitude in parables 
because it was the simplest and most beautiful way to get his ideas over to them, but he would tell them something. What he said to the people about an approaching end of the world was, well, anything you like to call it. The world was going to last for thousands of years, and for security of Christian morality, they must found a great church with buildings and choirs, including soprano eunuchs, bishops, archbishops, cardinals, priests, etc., vestments, incense, and dog collars, the power to kill heretics, and dictate to princes and presidents. Tens of millions of Christians believe that. 